lunch I eat a sandwich with a glass of Coke to roll. No one can see you drinking when you're working from home. I still produce reports in a professional font. But now when I have downtime, I can do what I want. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber, the podcast that just realized that tablets were replaced by scrolls. Scrolls were replaced by books. Now we scroll through books on tablets. And my name is Larry Wu. And I'm Curtis Withers. Uh, Larry, that's uh, that's very zen, a very zen history of uh, of, of media, really. Hey, well, I, 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 if, if anything, if we can't be entertaining, we might as well be informative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Curtis, how are you doing? So hold on. We were, we were just talking off air and you mentioned that uh, baby Arthur hit a milestone and he is what? Five? Is yeah, he five? Turns, oh my God. Five months now? Five, five, five months. months. Yeah. In some ways, it seems like, like, oh man, that was just yesterday that he was born. And in other ways, it seems like this has been forever. <laughs> See, that, that's the thing. You, you've, you've already gone through a pandemic and lockdown. So five months is nothing. You're like, mm-hmm. please, two years kind of feeling like we're just kind of trapped in these walls and whatever. And uh, yeah, that's good. So, so. Uh, he, you're mentioning that he's obviously he's not walking at this point. Can he actually no. hold himself up, like kind of do do that, hold onto the railing thing, or not really yet? No, no, okay. nothing like that. Um, like he can do stuff. Like he can go into like his little exercise saucer and he can bounce, and you know mm-hmm. he can almost he can sit he, he can sit if he's propped up, but then he's almost at the point where he can sit on his own in fact i think he can do it but he doesn't know he can do it because Mm -hmm. like if you if you put him in the position and you take your hands away then he'll start to like lean over but if you but if you give him like like essentially like a pinky fingers amount of support then then he'll be then he'll be sitting so you're really not doing anything except sort of you know, giving him confidence that, mm. that there's support there, but you're actually not providing any. He just thinks that you are. Okay. So, so is, I'm going to say he can do it. He just doesn't know it. Okay. Is, is he dealing cards yet? Is, is, is that, is that his repertoire, his motor skills at that point? Not- yeah. 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 He, he kind of, um, he deals them, but he still deals them like one at a time. <laughs> Like I'm saying, like you can do, you do, do the, do the sort of like two and three, you know, like when we're playing Euchre, like no deal, deal them in the two, the twos and threes. He just like, and it's laborious, right? He's like one, one, (laughs) one, one. So it's a work in progress. Work in progress. Indeed. I took my little guy, not so little guy. We, and this is kind of our our top thing we're going to talk about to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. MCU's latest offering. Um, I know people are probably either watching it, reading some of the reviews. So before people dump on it, I only saw a few minutes of Black Adam. It was still way better than Black Adam. So <laughs> no one think, oh my God, the MCU's done for blah, blah, blah. But now, Curtis, you didn't see the movie. So we're not going to review this together. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, but I did see Black Adam. <laughs> oh yeah, so you know, you're you're already gonna you're already going to enjoy it. Like, I'll tell you, you go guarantee enjoy this movie, especially if that was the last superhero movie you saw. But and it was. 
Um, you and I got talking about how people were dumping on it. And like currently looking at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the first Ant-Man movie did really, really well, right? Uh, right now it's sitting at about 49% on the tomato meter. Uh, and you were saying it's matching uh, the Eternals. So right mm. now those two are like at the terms of critics bottom of the barrel. Now the audience aggregate scores about 84% for this movie on tomato meter. So huge variance. So you and I got it talking and we thought it'd be, it's really interesting how is rating movies getting outdated or rather comic book movies um, rating comic book movies being outdated because I was talking to you and saying, you know, the way, the way we consume comics as a kids or even today, like there's this, it's just constantly coming out, right? Each month, new issue, might be concluding an arc, starting a new one. And they're just constantly cranking them out. And these stories are just reflections of that source material. And does anyone rate them and people read them after the fact or not? No, you just kind of pick it up and you go. And I almost feel like watching the comic book movies, especially the Marvel ones, because I'm, I, I read Marvel when I was a, when I was a teenager and, and young kid. Um, I kind of feel like going to see these movies is almost like picking up an issue or picking up the graphic novel that I didn't feel like buying issue to issue mm. and just going and okay, do I enjoy it? Yeah, sure. I love bits and pieces of it. Maybe I didn't really love the story, but then I put it down and maybe I don't ever read it again. Right. There, mm. there are Marvel movies which I never went back and watched again. Eternals being one of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Is, is it time to kind of do away with, the critic system for movies. Well, I just and- find with movies like this, I've I've never really understood why we're why 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 we would listen to critics anyway when it came to stuff. And, and I'm not saying that critics don't have you know you know like uh, there's always going to be interesting criticism of any movie, like you know good reviews that are well written and have some interesting points, but like. These movies are, by their nature, you know, disposable entertainment. They always have been. And somehow along the way, for whatever reason, um, (laughs) we decided that they deserved to sort of be given the same critical treatment as Citizen Kane. You know, like... (laughs) Or The Notebook. Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm not going to... If I if I'm looking at the critics and I'm looking at all these the the negative reviews for Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, they're all saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's 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 too it's it's too wacky, it's it's derivative, it doesn't really say anything." It's like, you know, that's that's not going to deter me from seeing a movie about a guy who puts on a on, on a suit to look like an ant and can shrink down to minuscule size. And has ants as friends and rides around on them. You know, like this is, you know, it doesn't require sort of a, 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 a really stringent critical analysis. These movies, like, mm. you, you know what you're going to get. And the people who, who don't like them, these movies, um, 
like there's certain reviewers who don't like these movies at all, which is oh, yeah. totally understandable. I totally mm-hmm. get it. And they continue to write reviews on them and harp on the same points. So like, why torture yourself by watch it, watching them and reviewing them? Like, I think like there's, you know, review, review, review an important piece of cinema for sure. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, I don't know if if we're getting anything out of out of reviewing. It'd be like reviewing Son in Law or Biodome or anything like that, right? Like, like those movies. You go to Rotten Tomatoes and they have like one one, one or two percent. It's like, of course, yeah. Because uh, you're right. Because do we rate? Do the same critics that rate, you know, the latest Salman Rushdie book? The same guy that's rating, I don't know, the latest Doctor Strange story arc or graphic novel that that got finished recently. No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So, yeah, I I wouldn't say the sky is falling. Or for those people that are waiting to dump on Marvel, this is not going to crumble the empire. They're going to keep going. Uh, because the thing is, when you look at that 84% audience score, that's over 5,000 plus verified rating people, like people that logged into the website, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a small percentage. Now, it's obviously, you know, people are always going to see it. I'm going to go, I'm going to enjoy it. It's just like how I, I um, we used to consume TV, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to sit down and watch it. And if I kind of come out going, oh, I didn't really enjoy it, walk away. But I'll come back next week, right, for yeah. for another adventure of the A team. You know, maybe thinking that they're actually going to get freed. <laughs> but I, I, I don't get it either. And I, I'm for me, it's I think it's maybe time to kind of go away with the rating system and just let people go consume this as a form of entertainment. Now, one thing, okay, I'll, not a spoiler, because you already knew that it was coming out. Uh, you know, Marvel always puts the end credit scenes at the end. And sometimes they're goofy, sometimes they're relevant. I would say that both of these ones are relevant because they're trying to build um, phase four up. I think that's what they're calling the current. And that is not a trailer, not a filmed just for Ant-Man Quantumanium, but is a clip of season two Loki. Mm -hmm. So you see Tom Hiddleston, you see... Uh, Luke Wilson sitting in an audience that looks like kind of old timey, not necessarily vaudevillian audience, you know, 1800s, maybe. Um, and of course, on stage is uh, he who remains Kang, whatever you want to call him. And he's on stage also in that time period doing a lecture about time. And there's and. And Loki's basically leaning to Luke Wilson saying, oh, it's that's him. And then, you know, they start talking and then it cuts. Um, so that got me excited. So, you know, I was like, you know, Loki being one of the, I don't know, I think one of the more interesting and, again, risky uh, shows that they put out. Reintroducing yeah, yeah. the the Loki character, like a completely yeah. different Loki character, not yeah. the ones that we've seen before, like this this you know this weird hybrid Loki character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find out that Loki's there's so you know a lot of variants because of the branching time streams and stuff like That's that. Right. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, 
especially because like you were mentioning before, like dealing with the multiverse is going to probably turn some people off. Cause it's a bit of a, like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a sort of high concept type of, it's a, it's a, it's a high concept idea dumbed down to comic book sort of science fiction. Yeah. But I thought that the Loki show did a pretty good job of uh, dumbing it down. Well, it, and, and also introducing the chaos that exists now, mm-hmm. right? The whole thing was that he who remains or Kang one or whatever you want to call him. I think they just refer, he just referred to him as, as he who remains mm-hmm. is the only version of Kang. But as a result of uh, Sophie, Sophia, so uh, Sylvie. Yeah. Basically, vengeance is too great. Had to kill him. Yeah. Uh, That basically unleashes the other Kangs Mm -hmm. or the scary one or, you know, or or however you you deem scary. So that's that's where this movie kind of I think this is the first movie that kind of picks it up right after Loki, after the events of Loki, because you kind of see multiverse happen in Doctor Strange in a way. Mm hmm. Um, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, but not kind of coming back to the Genesis event of Loki, right? Right. And it looks like this kind of comes back to Loki. So, you know, just like a comic book, right? Just kind of weaving from one series back to another, right? Where you'd read Fantastic Four and then you got to continue picking up the story. You got to read the next few issues of Spider-Man, then some kind of Marvel team up and then you read the Avengers so that you can, you have to kind of jump from comic book to comic book. And this brings up something that we were talking about earlier too, is that, you know, the, this whole shared universe, um, the Marvel shared universe um, is, is not that old. Like it's still a fairly new concept. Like it was a, it was a, it was an experiment that worked well. Um it could have it could have just as easily flopped and we wouldn't be having these big sprawling sort of uh, uh, sequence of movies. But um, as a result of having this shared universe, much like in a TV series, how there's table setting episodes, you can have sort of table setting movies. I think this one, I haven't seen it, but this one might be a table setting movie because you're really trying to introduce Kang as the you know the 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 ultimate threat for this phase uh is this thanos was the ultimate threat for i guess phase phase two or whatever um and i think like if you're a if you're like a if if you're if you're a, a movie critic who's especially a movie critic who's been around for a while where there that that wasn't a thing a a movie um, serving as table setting for future movies that are going to be all in a shared universe. And you're coming, you're coming at it, you know, just as a, as a classic movie critic. Again, I just don't think it's useful because if you're, if, if, because like, yes, given, given uh, as a standalone movie, a lot of the criticisms that you would have you may not apply to it if you know that it served a different purpose. So for like you and me who know that 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is essentially a vehicle to introduce Kang. That's what we want to see. We want to see Kang get introduced. We don't really care that much whether or not Ant-Man and the Wasp have a great adventure. You know what I mean? Like, if they do, great. But what we really want to see is, is this is this big bad, is he going to be able to be a Thanos-level threat? Mm-hmm. And we're fine with that. And I think most people who go to this movie, um, knowing what they're getting into, will be fine with that. So, so criticism of the film as a standalone film doesn't apply the same way as, you know, you, you kind of have to have to be like criticism of what it's trying to do, which is introduce um, new elements. And I think that, that the fact that that kind of movie exists drives some critics nuts and they'll never get past that. And, and I, I get that. I Marvel does it very well. Star Wars does not. Right. Where Lucas and everyone else will just introduce characters, not to introduce them for longevity into the Star Wars universe, but to make toys and they just don't go anywhere or they kill them off in the next movie or <laughs> whatever the case may be. Right. So Star Wars has a bad track record of doing that. Now, this is I'm kind of not look. I'm kind of looking at pre Disney plus stuff. I'm not including Mandalorian and what it's doing with um, and stuff like that. But uh, you're you're right. That was one of the things that they you kind of also see echoing throughout the the bad reviews is oh all Marvel is doing is just the, these movies are just introducing new characters and spawning other movies. Well, that 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 is true, right? There's a purpose, right? We're expanding the universe, which a lot of problems with Star Wars has, right? Where it's always, oh, we could introduce something new, but let's bring in a Skywalker. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, we could introduce something new. Oh, no, we got to bring them something familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I say fan of MCU, go see it. You're going to enjoy it. Wait till it comes out on Disney Plus if you're not completely jazzed about spending your 15 bucks or oh geez, I don't even know if it's 15 bucks anymore, Curtis. I think it's more like 18 if you're gonna see it on Ultra AVX or oh, yada, yeah. yada yada yada. Yeah. So I just put something on our sheet, Curtis, because this was also trending along with Ant-Man on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is a movie that's doing much better critic-wise. And the variance between critic score and Audience score is actually a lot tighter, and that is Cocaine Bear, <laughs> which is scoring a 72. So it's a fresh on the tomato beater, an audience score of 79%. So I don't know if you've seen this trailer for this, Curtis, but it's basically inspired by the 1985 true story of a drug runner's plane crash, missing cocaine, and the black bear that ate it. Now, obviously, wackiness ensues after in the movie with the black bear they ate it. I, I don't know if the black bear died or maybe just took a nap and went away. But huh, it's doing better than uh, for the from the critics. <laughs> Cocaine bear. All right, I'm intrigued by the the picture of the bear. Picture <laughs> of the bear sticking his tongue out and lapping up this mist of cocaine. And I, I want worth the price of admission. And it's interesting that movie studios are embracing the B movie. Cause I'm kind of hoping that the B movie comes back. That's, that's the one thing that 
I don't know, since Blockbuster disappeared, it's hard for anyone to really get exposed to B-movies, right? That's that's yeah. my opinion. And one B-movie I want to highlight today, so maybe we could talk, talk today's episode is about, you know, B-movie galore. Maybe we'll ask you, Curtis, after what your favorite B-movie is. But I want to highlight this movie from 2018 called The Velocipaster. Ever seen The Velocipaster, Curtis? Uh, I, I, I was today years old when I heard about the uh, first heard about the Velocipaster. So it's the man of the claw. So here's the write up. <laughs> here's the synopsis. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur, assumably a velociraptor. At first horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. I must note that and ninjas is a sentence onto itself. <laughs> um, I'm intrigued by it. Um, it, yeah. it looks like the kind of thing that I would... Uh, that uh, these were the kind of movies that I uh, used to watch all the time when I was in university, right? Like instead of studying, like <laughs> yeah, the the lost art of the B movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this movie, apparently, it, it, now it says estimated. It the budget of this movie was estimated at eleven thousand dollars, so they could have just shot this on an iPhone or something, or maybe two iPhones at eleven thousand dollars, Curtis, because. That Velociraptor dinosaur suit. Yeah. It's it it kind of reminds, thing. other than the color, it kind of reminds me of the mascot for the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite cheesy looking. But um, it uh, it must have been profitable because um, apparently uh, the sequel is in development right now. Yeah. According to IMDb. Uh, actually, let's let's compare it against Ant Man, Quantumanium, Cocaine Bear. Is it actually in Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I don't know. It is. You you man of a little faith, Curtis. Curtis, this movie scored higher than Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, with a sixty one on the tomato meter, and an audience score of seventy two. Again, the variance, keeping it within ten points of each other. Wow, 61%. That is uh <laughs> that is pretty good. This Not dumb as good movie as cocaine has... bear. No, well cocaine bear <laughs> is uh, destined to be a classic. Um <laughs> one of the best horror movies of the year is one of the uh one of the reviews. Mind you, this has like 18 total reviews whereas that man the wasp probably has like a couple of hundred, but uh Yeah. But I I also love the fact that why does why does she have to be a hooker and he a priest or is that I guess is that's the inside joke the B movie inside joke so uh, obviously with the ninjas I guess I guess so yeah yeah so um, let me throw it to you Curtis what was your favorite B movie so my favorite B movie um, well I've I've got a couple that I've liked for different reasons I don't know would you call like Rudy Ray more sort of black exploitation would you call that b movie like it's kind of like that level of craft but but are you talking more of like a horror style b movie i think like a rudy ray moore type movie i don't think it was intended to be put out as a b movie i think over time 
it just kind of got that cult status. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I'll, uh, I think for me, probably Death Race 2000. Okay. Because eh, it probably was intended to be, maybe it's similar. Maybe it intended to be a seriously good movie, but you, you, you would always, I, it was like a guilty pleasure rental from Blockbuster, right? Because you knew it was so bad. It was cheesy. You were laughing at certain parts of it. But yeah. you're still enjoying the heck out of it, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping Velociraptor or Cocaine Bear. In fact, I I I am actually going to put that on my list. I'm going to go see Cocaine Bear now that I see that it's actually rating this high. <laughs> I don't know. There, there, I think there's a lost art for uh, B movies. I think my my favorite B movie then, if you if you want to take it like um, like sort of like um, sh- like a schlocky horror action type thing would be uh the toxic avenger mm. which, which which was successful enough to spawn several sequels and a kids animated tv show yeah but the first toxic avenger is a really really good fun b movie mm-hmm. i i highly recommend it yeah like low budget yeah do what you can <laughs> yeah and it's it's funny it's it's you know got some horror elements it's got some superhero elements um yeah it was it's just it's just super entertaining yeah uh before we get off the ant-man topic again the movie did the movie you know reach me to the core and i want to see it over and over again Eh, probably not but at least it didn't give me the sensation of one movie because you were asking me if I ever kind of felt like, oh, I want my money back. And one of the few movies that actually made me feel like I needed, I wanted to get my money back or why am I in this theater is actually Naked Gun two and a half. Is that what the Mm -mm. two and a half? Uh, The Smell of Fear. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was pretty young when that movie, I think it was probably 18. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, get me out of here. Like, that's the only time I think I felt that I needed to do that in a movie. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a lot. I mean, I loved the first Naked Gun. Uh, the sequels um, were essentially the same movie. It's like Wayne's world. Wayne's world two <laughs> was almost the exact same movie as Wayne's world, except it was Christopher Walken was the villain instead of Rob Lowe. That was like honestly the only day they did all the same jokes they did all the same stuff and and the naked gun uh sequels sort of were in the same boat like the first one i still i i, I was telling you before I watched it recently with uh with Heather and her dad, and we loved it, but I don't know if I'd ever really care to see the sequels again because they didn't do anything. I had the same thing when in the theater I went to see Robin Hood men in tights. Mm. Um, but there was, I had already seen all those jokes in better Mel Brooks movies. So I was just like, (laughs) not really not into it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to kind of get off our movie opener, you know, what else is coming back into theaters is a Titanic. (laughs) Um, now it's been on every single format. I don't know how long, how long is it? The 25th? Is it the 25th anniversary or 20th anniversary? It must be 25th anniversary. Mm. 25th anniversary right, of yeah. the movie. Going back to theaters to see it. 
I kind of feel like standing outside the theater and asking people, you know, why do you need to see this again? (laughs) Mm. Now, the 14-year-olds that were seeing it over and over and over again, driving up the numbers back then. So how old are they now? They would be in their mid-30s, so they're millennials. So I'm kind of curious, is that crowd going to be the ones going back to see? Yeah, I don't know. Or are you going to get like a whole new generation of I don't know. Rose and Jack was a guy who was... Uh, yeah, Rose. Rose was Rose, Kate Rose and Jack. Yeah, yeah. I don't Whole know. New generation of Rose and Jack fans. So here's here's a bigger question, Curtis. Is Rose too old for Leo DiCaprio now? Uh, well, <laughs> you mean you mean you mean Ro- Rose Rose in the movie in the movie <laughs> too old for Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, I mean. Maybe not, but certainly Leonardo DiCaprio is fine going younger than Rose. That doesn't mean that he's not interested in Rose, but he's also interested in going much younger. Yes, yes. So I, so he, he, he'd probably be like, I'm finding another door. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm finding someone younger. Yeah, maybe him. someone younger who will, who will actually save his life. <laughs> I'm like, Rose. All right. It's too hard. Now... We haven't done one of these segments in a while, Curtis. I thought we'd bring it back. And this is obviously you're a huge man of trivia. I thought I'd bring a, a Jeopardy board of Canadian questions. And I want to see how well you do. Okay. Uh, just as a fun thing. So uh, right. unfortunately, we don't have a Jeopardy theme, but we can just kind of envision it in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. The Jeopardy theme. I'm not going to be as smug as uh, Trebek was if you know you got it wrong but uh we'll, we'll see how you score um, okay so here's the 200 canadian question curtis okay and please answer it as a question right um ill-tempered aquatic creatures emerge from this great lake upon which thunder bay sits thunder bay uh No, Should I'm I give get you some wrong? Hits. But I'm going to say, what is Lake? What is Lake Superior? Okay. Oh no, you are correct. Okay. Very good. Here's the $400 question. This province, directly to the west, makes a series of nighttime cow tipping raids, causing general chaos. So, so, the, directly to the west of what? Well, they're just saying it's it's a Western province, and this province apparently um, popularized cow tipping. What is Saskatchewan? You are incorrect. It is Manitoba. Oh, uh, okay. For $600, Curtis, King Kong, he's real, and he's climbing this 18... A 1,815-foot structure, his eye filling the window of a revolving restaurant. Uh, what is the CN Tower? Yeah, that was... How is that the $600 question and the cow-tipping yeah. one? Now that cow-tipping one could be any of those provinces. Okay, here's the $600 question, Curtis. Apparently, they're getting easier. I don't know. 
The intra-province rivalry between the National Capitals Ottawa Senators and these provincial capital NHLers come to a fever of hate. So if it's a provincial capital, then it would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who are the Toronto Maple Leafs? Okay, yes. Like the cow tipping one. (laughs) So $1,000. Okay, here we go. Zombies and not the slow ones are making their way from Detroit to this city across the Ambassador Bridge. (laughs) They're already there. What is Windsor? (laughs) You are correct. And bonus points for uh, not bad, Curtis. Your results here. You did uh, four to five there. Yeah. And that, 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 the one that I didn't get, that was, that was arbitrary. Yeah, I, I, that, that was pretty weak. Now, <laughs> part of Kane, Indiana, now you, this is the circle around. See, just like Marvel, we introduced it months ago and we bring it back to forefront. You actually found a Tim Hortons that actually sold the pizza. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and, and you tried it. <laughs> I did try it. I bought, I purchased one. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember, uh, from, uh, I guess like late last year, one of our podcasts late last year, we were talking about how um, Tim Hortons seemed to, uh, I don't know. Did they even really announce this pizza? It was a test thing. It was a test thing. And then it never showed up anywhere. We went looking for it and uh, we're never able to find it. And then it just so happened that within the last couple of weeks, they've introduced it at the Tim Hortons near where I work. So, of course, I had to try it because we had talked about it um, before and actually actively sought it out with with no success. So I had the pepperoni. I I decided to keep it simple for my first um, Tim Hortons flatbread pizza. I had the pepperoni. And it was, it cost $8. And uh, it was very average. You get a good, you get a decent sized pizza. pizza i'd say it's equivalent to two slices from uh uh like two big slices from from like a a a decent pizzeria Mm -hmm. um the toppings were fine there's you know cheese and pepperoni there was a decent uh how do you mess that up yeah you can't mess that up decent amount of cheese decent amount of pepperoni the sauce uh there wasn't too much sauce and that was a problem because the the thing that the the that drags the whole experience down is that the flatbread is just kind of um bland and salty mm. it's not terrible or anything like it's edible but like um you know unlike uh like a pizza pizza um pie where the crust isn't good but it's also you know fairly thin and insubstantial you don't really care that much like the flatbread is a very substantial part of this pizza and it needs to pop in order for, for it to really, really work. Mm. And so like it could have used like some olive oil or like maybe some kind, some sort of seasoning or something, something different. <laughs> so, so you're, you're eating it and you're like, hello, taste. Hello. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I, there's, there's other pizza choices. Um, you know, in my neighborhood and also where I work um, that are superior. And I would, would, I don't know if I'd buy this again. I think how much was it? How much was it? It was $8. Okay. $8. 
which isn't terrible. Like you could probably split it with somebody. Um, that I think I think you get enough that you could split it with somebody. Okay. Um, f- for lunch, you know. Um, I think like maybe if you were in a place like if you're maybe where um, like my mother-in-law lives in Brighton, for example, um, and there's not as much sort of stuff around, there's a Tim Hortons there and you feel like a pizza. Maybe that's, that's the kind of place where like I could see, you know, ordering this pizza again. But like if you're in a place that has like, you know, several pizzerias, independent pizzerias, as well as, sort of, you know, brand name pizzerias. There's just no need for it. It it, it sort of falls uh, behind the McDonald's pizza, which for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, whether it was the way they seasoned the crust or whatever. But when I was in university at Carleton, Larry, I would go to the Hogsback McDonald's in Ottawa and seek out the <laughs> McDonald's pizza. Even though there were perfectly reasonable alternatives closer to campus, because I liked it, and uh, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to get Tim Hortons pizza uh, again. Um, didn't didn't uh, didn't the original uh, Roosters have Pizza Hut? Like, didn't they have like a one of those rotating? They things? did. They had a right? Pizza Hut. Co- they had a Pizza Hut kiosk in the Roosters, which was which was notable. Because okay, this is the, this is very inside Carleton University, yeah. especially in the nineties. If you didn't know Carleton in the nineties, you won't get this. But so there was a, there was a, it was in the the uh, Unicenter, which was like the student sort of center. It had an arcade. It had some restaurants and stuff. Uh, on the top floor was Roosters, which was a, just a standard bar, and it had a Pizza Hut kiosk. And then on the bottom floor was Oliver's, which ha- uh, was um, had a dance, like a dance bar that was popular only on Wednesdays. And <laughs> in Wednesdays, the lineup was, w- was out the door and around the corner to get in. Um, so <laughs> the, the Pizza Hut kiosk, they had this, they had this deal where if you bought a person and it was only, you could only get personal, personal pan pizzas mm-hmm. it's just little pizzas but if you bought a personal pan pizza then you got a a uh a past oliver's it was free there was no no admission yeah. but what you got was a basically jump the line card <laughs> so you get the pizza and then you get this card so that you could just jump the line and go into and go into the dance club which wasn't oh. a very good dance club but like it was popular on Wednesdays for whatever No, reason. I think I think it was like yeah, it was cheap beer, right? Cheap beer, yeah. And so like me and 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 and, and our mutual friend Stever when, you know, like we'd be sitting up in Roosters and people would come up and give us pizza because they weren't interested in the pizza. They only wanted the pass to jump the queue at Oliver's. So they buy a, a personal pen pizza, <laughs> give it to, give, give it to whoever was just drinking, watching 90210 or whatever it was on at, uh, yeah. at Roosters, and then go down and get into the bar. So we would always go to Roosters on Wednesday nights because like there was a chance that you would be getting free pizza. <laughs> oh my God. That's that, like that. That's how that is like, 
sign of a desperate student, starving student, right? When you're yeah. doing, when you're, you're behaviorally, you know, we should go here because there's possible, like that, that's almost primordial feeling. We should go here to this area or this watering hole because there's food there or there's yeah. a potential for food there. Yeah. Potential for free, for free food. Free food. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, well, you know, in the hunter gatherer sense, easy food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One that won't kill me. Oh my God. You know, that, that, that story actually segues well into this week's asshole or not. Maybe not. He's not the asshole. Maybe I, I'm, I'm prejudging them already. Am I the asshole for not wanting to follow my mom's new $5 dish rule? So uh, this is an 18-year-old who lives with his uh, mom and dad. So it's just the three of them. And recently had an issue with dishes in the sink. Mom doesn't think they should sit in the sink longer than a minute. I don't think it matters if they sit in the sink for a day. Ooh, you can see where this is going. For context, I am 18 years old, a full-time college student, and, a, with, and with a part-time job, not a basement dweller. So basically, I, I'm, I'm a student. I live with mom mm. and dad. I'm a student. So mom has this new rule. If there's a dish in the sink and she washes it, we have to pay her $5. I don't take this rule too seriously. I usually leave whatever dishes I have in my room and wash them in the morning before I go to class. But last night, I had a couple of friends over, and they put their dishes in the sink before we went to bed. I woke up with five under, with a five under the fruit basket, and my mom told me uh, she took it out of my cash stash because she washed my friend's dishes in the morning. I was pretty peeved about this. I'm upset she took anything from my cash jar, $5, hmm. and also that she she is really taking this rule seriously. We got into this basic argument of don't touch my stuff versus wash your dishes. And am I really the asshole about this? Is this a typical parenting tactic or am I being an annoying teenager? Obviously my parents think I'm being an ass. So does my friends that were over that night, but other friends say my mom is being too crazy and that she's weirded out by this rule. Um, There's a few edits, but first things first, I love the fact when people, I don't even know why I would, I, I never did this one, even when I was an adult, young person, teenager, young adult, whatever, like leaving dishes in my bedroom. Yeah. Sure. Maybe I have a glass, maybe I'm drinking water or, or, but dishes like, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't even like eating in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I I I I don't get that either. That's uh, uh, pretty pretty we- pretty weird. Um, I don't know. This person like doesn't really. I I definitely think that you should do your dishes. Probably when I was eighteen, I was terrible at it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of at the stage now where like like Heather and I are both people who do the dishes right away. You know, like we don't like like to have dishes lying around and we don't like dishes to to um, stay in this sink overnight. But like, I don't know if this person's an asshole, though, because like if you read the comments, like the person the person who wrote this engages with some of the commenters 
and mm. seems like a pretty reasonable person and also seems to have kind of come to the conclusion that he should do his dishes. So I'm going to say maybe um, was a little bit um, inconsiderate and a little bit maybe a typical teenagery, mm-hmm. but but not an asshole compared to some of the other ones we've had. Yeah. Oh, this at first you kind of read into it and you think it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. And then you kind of wonder, like, is the mom like just, oh, there's a dish in the sink and he just put it in there and she's freaking out right away and and, yeah. and whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, perhaps it, it's the rule I get if if the guy is like leaving dishes. Like it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you were probably living – with roommates, whatever. And, and it just drove you bonkers. Right. It was just like, it's not leaving the dishes in there, but you kind of get the sense that there's no intention of them ever doing them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there's a difference between, Oh, and, and putting dishes and I'll, I'll get to it versus yeah. putting it there. And then the pile gets so big because everyone else is piling on top of it. So that really whose dishes are who, Right. Yeah, I, I, I went it, through that and it was just like, oh, yeah, you know, it came to the point where I got into habit. I use this dish. I'm going to wash it. I don't want anything to do with whatever you guys are piling up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. It, it's just it, nothing is is sort of more disheartening after a while than just like dishes that accumulate over like three, four, sometimes five days and which which, you know, happened a fair amount in university like yeah and shared accommodations and then and then when 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 finally somebody gets off their ass to wash them and you're just like you know they're all over the counter because because the sink was full the sink was so full that you had like you know you 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 had you had like walks and huge (laughs) just jutting out of the of the sink and uh, oh yeah, yeah that's, no, that's it's terrible. it's becomes a sanitary issue at that. Oh point. yeah, yeah. Then you, you can know. get you get you you know you're you're just you're just inviting mice and rodents to like, or um, you know if if TV is well TV didn't teach us back then, but TV is teaching us now is if if uh, if you don't want like the Last of Us apocalypse <laughs> to happen, like you'd want any mold to grow anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, so you're you're are you kind of on the fence, or are you going to think about it? No, I I'm going to. I think it's not. This person's not an asshole, but just needs you know needed. I think I think they needed this though. Yes, I am also going to say not an asshole, just horribly inconsiderate. Maybe mm. the mom is being a bit unreasonable too, but also like dirty dishes is a bit of a trigger for me, just because maybe as an adult like. My God, it's just unsanitary. Things mm-hmm. in the kitchen should be clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep it clean. Keep it tight, folks. Yeah. $5. I don't know. You know what? If, if I was him and, and did he say he's, he's working? Part-time yeah. job. Yeah. You know what? I would just say, here you go, mom. <laughs> just, yeah. Just just give her the 10 bucks and she can wash all the dishes, whatever. That's a pretty good compromise, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So not hey. not a bad price for a dishwashing service. Yeah, because she she it was only five dollars for all of his friends' dishes. Yeah, 
He made it sound too at first like it was five dollars per, per dish. dish. Yeah, but no, then it sounds like, like in practice it was five dollars for all the dishes. Or if she had to clear the the the, the sink, yeah, that would be yeah. five bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Hey, in today's hey, economy, in today's economy, that is not bad. Hey, that uh, can you get a coffee for five bucks these days? Maybe a tea, tea hose. Yeah, you can still at at at, at Timmy Hose, you can still get one for under five. Oh, I, and I, I I forgot, you know, and silly me, quickly going back to the tea hose uh, thing. Do you recommend it or no? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I like it. Like like I was saying before, I guess if you don't have uh, many alternatives and you just kind of feel like having a having having something with cheese and pepperoni on it. Like I didn't, I, I, I didn't hate it. Like it was definitely edible. Like I, I enjoyed it to, to a degree, but it just, it just could have been much better. You could have easily made it much better. See, you're, you're, you're just proving my theory about Tim Horton's food in general. Donuts. Great. Everything else they make, you just described the wraps, the bagels, the sandwiches, the breakfast sandwiches. It's like, it's okay yeah, if it's the la- if it's there, and I can't go anywhere else, I'll get yes. it. But yeah, but it wouldn't be something that you'd actively seek. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. The donuts, it's, it's it's hilarious. They've got this commercial now of the Tim Hortons like master chef, and he's making like some chipotle chipotle wrap, and he's wearing like he's wearing like the you know the white sort of chef's coat and stuff like that. I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. That's oh, not how it uh, works just to Timmy Hose. For those McDonald fans, uh, for St. Patrick's Day, I believe that the Shamrock Shake is available now. Oh yeah, is it like as of right now? As of right now. Oh. So maybe you want to run to it while I run the intro to the headlines. A new epidemic is raging through Springfield, and this one didn't start with Krusty Burger's Whatchamacarcus sandwich. I was always an Arctic Orange guy. Whatever happened to the Arctic Orange shakes? Um, I don't know. What do they still make the orange drink? They don't anymore, do they? Well, like that watered down, like yeah, yeah, assembly yeah. orange drink. Yeah, do they? Do they still make that? <laughs> I hope not. There's got to be something in the Geneva Convention about that. That was so uh, vile. All right, so it's been kind of a slow headline week. I don't know why that maybe this news cycle, but there was just a lot of like too serious news. But you know. We could always count on Florida man. Florida man faces up to 30 years for dumping water on older brother in argument over key lime pie. <laughs> now, I know that the, the the jail system in the States is a business, but 30 years for that, that there's got to be more to it, right? Yeah. First degree... First degree felony, felony aggravated battery <laughs> for dumping water over somebody. Over key lime pie. Are you a fan of key lime pie, Curtis? And please don't uh, dump water on me if you uh, trigger Yeah, I, I'm never, I'm not going to prison over key lime pie. Like if you <laughs> ate my key lime pie, 
I'd be like, I'd be like miffed and I might bring it up in the next podcast, but uh, right. Right. <laughs> okay. The extent of it. So that, that is the story. So apparently there was a piece of key lime pie. The victim had left in the fridge for several days without eating David, who I guess is the aggressor, uh, ate the pie. An argument ensued in the living room. David was near the kitchen and decided to fill a large glass full of water and dumped it on the victim to cool him down. David proceeded to fill another glass and dumped it on the victim in the living room. I still don't see what, why I would get 30 years, but I'm sure the story will get more interesting, right? This sounds uh, more like an am I the asshole thing. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should reevaluate this one. Um, so the victim feared David's, David's the aggressor's behavior would lead him to possibly being physically harmed or killed. Ultimately, though, uh, the victim did not suffer any injuries during the altercation because only water was thrown on the victim. Okay, so I still don't get it, but here's the piece. Florida's <laughs> law is specific. <laughs> the gentleman's charged with first-degree felony. Aggravated battery in Florida is normally a second-degree felony, but the more serious charge applies if the victim is over 65. Wow, under it Florida, is Florida. Yeah, under Florida law... A first-degree felony carries a penalty of at least three years and up to 30 years in prison and a $10,000 fine upon conviction. I think that's a bit of a stretch, three to 30 years. Yeah, I think so. Okay, aggravated battery applies to someone intentionally or knowing causing causes great, great bodily harm, permanent disability, or permanent disfigurement. Now, unless this guy's made out of paper mache or sugar, yeah, I don't think dumping two glasses of water classifies as any of those. No, no, or uses of a deadly weapon in the commission of a crime. Yeah, again, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think this is going to stick. I don't. I think they're going to say, "Was the pie worth it?" This guy's. This guy does sound like a bit of a jerk, but. Uh... Man, if you if you got thirty years for being a jerk, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> but well, like, so so like, it's funny because he because <laughs> he ate the pie. I guess he got sick of looking at it in the fridge. Like, <laughs> so it's just like the dishes. It's just like yeah. the dishes, right? Yeah. He got sick and tired of seeing the dishes. Sick and tired of looking at the pie. I'm gonna eat it. Yeah. But 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 sometimes, like you know, you want to save that pie for just the you know. It's like that story, and I think I've told on the podcast before about how when I was in university, I would always get an A and W cream soda and then save it for like a for like a time that we could watch a Leaf game in the TV lounge. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, this, that could have been like this guy with a key lime pie. Maybe he was saving it for like a, a a show he wanted to watch or like a certain time or whatever, you know. And uh, so this guy was was a jerk in in many ways because he couldn't stand seeing the key lime pie in the fridge so he ate it you know and it wasn't his to eat and he dumped two glasses of water on this guy when they got in an argument <laughs> i'm not thinking i'm not still not seeing a jail sentence here but the thing is they booked him there's a mugshot in this article and it's unclear if he will be granted bail or otherwise released pending disposition of the charge well you know so curtis this guy's in jail for dumping two glasses of water on a senior citizen. Yes. Let's let's not let's not assault the old folks in Florida, but let's 
be clear, it was two glasses of tap water. Now we're confirming that the that the that the person that the person that he salted is not made of sugar nor sand or paper mache. So there couldn't be any permanent disfigurement. But like these guys are brothers too. And this and the guy, the victim, said he was fearing for his life and thought, like, how bad is their relationship? And <laughs> why are they are they like living together? And if so, why? It sounds like this. Maybe he feared that he was going to drown if they got enough glasses of water. Like, yeah, that's just crazy. Like my brother and I have have uh, disagreements every now and then, but I never think he's going to kill me. <laughs> Mind you, he's never dumped water on my head either. So, <laughs> and is he? A, are you both fans of key lime pie? We like it. We like a slice of pie. Yeah. Although, although, I, although, although it would be be more of a of a pecan uh, type of situation. Ah, uh, yes, of yeah. course. That's 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 the Canadian boy in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's 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 call that headline because I want to give some time to our new fun segment, which is <laughs> the cucumber makes Chat GBT do silly things. Now we're gonna now, Curtis. You had a really good idea, and I'll I'll let you. Um, I'll let you say it and I'll type it in while you are doing that and we'll together read the outcome. So I wanted to see a treatment for a new kids animated TV series featuring former Chrysler boss Lee Iacocca. <laughs> I love it. All right, here we go. ChatGPT, take it away. Again, I the speed at which this thing comes out. And also because we wrote the word treatment in the question, it actually put it out in the format of a treatment. So here we go. Since it was your, your question anyways, Curtis, I'll let you read the title that it came out with. The title is Lee Iacocca colon, the automated, the automotive visionary. Eh, not bad for a Saturday. What do you yeah. think it'll be after school or Saturday morning cartoon? You think? Yeah, I think I'm thinking this would be more of an after school type of thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But what I love about this is it actually indicated target audience, yep. children age six to eleven. Yep. I, I don't know how many. I guess that's, that's that's time key key time for you know into cars and stuff, right? Yeah. Genre animated educational series already putting that educational spin. Not uh, it's not it's not like Dragon Ball starring uh, yeah. the Icoco. See, which which I which I kind of was wondering if they <laughs> maybe maybe next time well I'd like to see Lee Icoco in a Dragon Ball. <laughs> okay, what what would an episode be of Dragon Ball Z if Lee Icoco guest starred in? Now yeah. we have to kind of also because I know Dragon Ball Z kind of expands a huge timeline. So is it Master Roshi years, or is it like the really crazy planet destroying things that it kind of I I don't really follow it. But any yeah. case, the it's a twenty two minute episode format. The log line, okay, I guess that's an industry term. I've never heard of it myself. Join the adventure of Lee Iacocca, an innovative and determined automotive uh, automobile executive who revolutionized the automotive industry. Ah, so far, so good. And then it kind of goes through the synopsis. Lee Iacocca, the automotive visionary, is an animated educational series that takes 
children on an exciting adventure through the life and career of Lee Iacocca, the legendary <laughs> automobile executive. I don't know what child would watch this, but sure, chat GBT. You know? Um, so it kind of goes in a bit about his history. Each episode will feature a different stage in Lee Iacocca's life and career as he faces challenges and triumphs while working to change the automotive industry forever. Along the way, children will learn about the important themes such as innovation, determination, and leadership. Capitalism. <laughs> Supp- supply and demand. All those things that a six, what is it, six to 11-year-old would want to learn. <laughs> ChatGPT also broke down basically two seasons for us. It, it gave us the title of 26 episodes already, Curtis. This is amazing. Yeah. And and if we and if we kind of look at, you know, obviously the first episode is Meet Lee and then talking about growing up in Allentown. So it's kind of like doing it in chronological order, which yeah, sure. Um so season one, if we were to break it out evenly, season one, Curtis, ends with the episode introducing the K car. Yes. How's that how's that ending on a season? That's that's a pretty good strong, strong episode to end the season on, right? Yep. Yep. Like like, will it be a success? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the second season is the, the the minivan years. Yes. Right. And he, how he saves Chrysler and mm-hmm. and his legacy within Chrysler. And then, oh, and then ending off season two, or maybe it's the, maybe it's only a two season run, Curtis, is Lee's life's lessons. Yes. Yeah, I think I think two seasons is probably enough. Yeah, I think so. I love this <laughs> again. It, it, this must be part of a treatment uh, format, right? So targeted outcomes. It's a cartoon. Is there targeted outcomes? Like the series aims to educate and inspire children by introducing them to a remarkable life and career of Lee Iacocca, highlighting many of his accomplishments, demonstrating the importance of innovation, determination, leadership. The series encourages children to pursue their dreams and make a positive impact on the world. Mm. Oh, look at you, Captain Planet. Yeah. Series also aims to promote an interest in history and the automotive industry, uh, helping children to best underst- better understand the impact of automobiles on society and the world. Oh, my God. Production details, Curtis. It's 2D. <laughs> 2D. Yeah. English will be produced. English will be the language that will be produced, maybe localized for international distribution. It says uh, the target audience will be 6 to 11 years old, but the series will also appeal to parents, educators, and anyone interested in the history of the automotive industry. So not just a one-show pony, right? Right, right. Yeah. And in conclusion... (laughs) Okay, take it away. (laughs) Leah Iacocca, the Automated Visionary, is an animated educational series that aims to inspire and educate children about the life and career of a remarkable man who changed the automotive industry forever by highlighting the many accomplishments of Leah Iacocca and demonstrating the importance of innovation, determination, and leadership. The series encourages children to pursue their dreams. Oh, we already said that. See, they already they've they're gone back to the well. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Make a positive impact on the world. I just like the part where it said that uh, that the uh, that that the series will use action, humor, and drama. 
<laughs> to get the message across. To get the message across. So obviously, like s- some of these are going to show up in any Chat GBT treatment, right? Like, I, I think so. I think it, yeah. I think it just kind of you know repeats kind of same points. But um, I was really impressed. The thing I was impressed with the most by far is the episode titles and the episode like like listing the. Yeah, yes, it did just probably go chronologically through his life, but it's it's pretty cool. The episode t- titles are, uh, you know, growing up in Allentown, the Mustang is born, Lee goes to Italy, the Pinto disaster. See, I want to watch but, that. But also, if you, if you kind of even look at from an episode perspective, the Pinto disaster, if you look at th- a 13 episode season, yeah. the Pinto disaster is actually like the third act. Like if you look at the episode yeah right because then he's fired from ford yeah joins chrysler becomes ceo of chrysler and then the k and then the car. k car so the last three episodes the build back right yeah after the fall yeah oh man this 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 arcs beautifully <laughs> very nice thank you chad gbt i gotta send this to send this to Disney. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. What, what we should have done is maybe make it a, a, like a live action, like a Degrassi Junior High <laughs> kids show, live action. And then you you watch it today and like try to do like the outfits of of that time. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of fun and quirky. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe give or also kind of you know maybe not make it so bio- biographical and you know give Lee some superpowers. Maybe maybe a team, maybe a talking dog. Maybe we should have told it told it that or something, right? <laughs> I I you know I I, I remember Lee Iacocca just only from the books, right? He had that really famous book that seemed to be yeah at the front of every single bookstore, definitely at Shoppers World, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I always see it all the time, and even as a kid, I was like, "Who's Lee Iacocca?" Yeah, like you know, hey, if this show was around, I would know. Yeah. Well, he was like, he, he was, he was the face of Chrysler too, right? He was in all the commercials and, you know, it was like, it was like a name you can trust. Lee Iacocca. Our buddy Lee. Now yeah. he passed away at the age of what? Because you and I looked it up and he it's, had a pretty long. Yeah. 94. That's. Yeah. Hey, we should all be so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. He, but, but he won't be able to see this lovely animated show as we try to pitch it to, uh, no. Disney and or uh, Nelvana. Is Nelvana still around doing animated? Can I we... think so. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe, maybe we can ask uh, our, our mutual friend Aaron to set up an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll just keep reading this. Like we have no other insight. <laughs> or we keep asking GPT, oh, you want, what's the merchandising opportunities here? Okay. And we're sitting there. <laughs> Let me look that up. We have it somewhere <laughs> waiting for GPT to come back. So we can read it. <laughs> I wonder if this is what that brave new world is going to be like, Curtis, where you just have people doing these pitches and they have no idea of the idea. Cause it's not originally theirs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're constantly just keep asking GP Chappie GPT as you drill down further about the show. Actually, you know what? I before we sign off today, I will ask it one thing to along the stream is who would best voice the yes character Lee and I'll say in 2021 because again, ChatGPT won't have recent, but let's see what the suspense is going. Oh my god. Okay, Curtis, are you ready? Yeah. So, 
again, I'm sorry for the show to be extended this long, but Lee Iacocca passed away in 2019, so it would be not possible for him to voice his own character in a TV show. However, a voice actor is needed to voice the character of Lee. It would be best to choose an actor who can capture his distinctive voice and mannerisms. Some potential candidates for the role could be Brian Cranston. Okay, yeah. Who has a similar authoritative voice and could convey the determination and leadership qualities of Iacocca. Or Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. who has experience in portraying real-life figures and could bring a sense of authenticity to the role. Ultimately, the choice would depend on specific direction and tone of the show. I'm, I'm, Though it would blow the budget on this kids' show if we hired Cranston or Tom Hanks. Oh, I'm, I'm getting in touch with Cran- Cranston's people tomorrow. <laughs> I, can, I can picture it. I can picture him in the role. It's perfect. <laughs> And you know what? I can picture us ending the show because we've probably gone too long. So thank you for listening to Curtis and I. You can catch Curtis and I weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And if you can leave a rating on any of those platforms, please do. It will help others find our little podcast. I know you've been trying to half sleeping, half awake these days uh, a la uh, Edward Norton, but Curtis, any last words before we sign off this week, or maybe any last minute questions about our our treatment for ChatGPT? If you want to drill down further, uh, is there a love interest? We'll save, yeah, we'll save that for we'll save that for next time. We'll keep or, expanding or, on this. Or or is there a talking dog opportunity? Uh, yeah. you know, as a sidekick. Yeah, and a I pie. Love, I love that idea. And a pie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Robot. A key Sassy lime robot. A robot key lime pie that dumps water on people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening and just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. I'm living the good life while I'm working from home.